What was interesting to me was, you know, I was 19 years old at the time and I got this incredible job. And, you know, I was asking myself, do I think I could get this job again? You know, do I think this is a one in a lifetime opportunity? And at the end of the day, I came to the answer of no, I don't. And I could probably find a job similar to this or, you know, better um, if I just get better at my skills or, or do better in my life in some way, shape or form. And so to me, that was kind of the impetus of it was saying, do I think this is a once in a lifetime opportunity? It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy course, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Welcome to the Dreamer's Moment. We talk to people who are in the arena, chasing their dreams. My name is Spencer Shulam. I'm the CEO and founder of WeDo. Okay, so for those who don't know, what, what is WeDo? So WeDo is an incredibly simple planning app for busy people. Right now, our focus is college kids, so we kind of help them keep track of uh, homework they need to do, bills they need to pay, uh, movies they want to watch, things they want to buy, basically everything in your life that you can you can think of. So I see there's like a basic app you can download for free, and then there's like a premium subscription you can do above that, correct? Yeah, the pro features, so right now we keep most of our features for free, and if you compare us to kind of the to-do apps in that respect, um, it's just night and day what we what we offer and what they kind of charge for. Um, so what we, what we do charge for is time estimating, which allows you to kind of better plan your time. Um, Ten beautiful themes and over three hundred emojis to kind of make your 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 remembering experience a little bit more fun. <laughs> oh, okay. So when people think of task management apps uh, like this, what how does this how is this different? Is it, it what you just mentioned? Are there other features that you don't get in a standard app like that? Yeah. So I would say the first and foremost is what what problem we're trying to solve, right? So if you look at to do list apps or this kind of task platform apps, um, they're trying to help you get more done. Um, and keep track of the things you need to quote unquote do. Uh, we're very careful about the language we use where, you know, we we're considering ourselves the first life management platform. So it's not just about the things you need to get done in your life, but it's also the things that you might want to do. So for example, we're the only, uh, we're the only app that allows you to keep track of not just your tasks, but your habits as well. 
Um, you can also keep track of basically anything else in your life, like bills and stuff like that. But we've built a lot of custom experiences, like habits, like time estimating, um, like a simple planner, like for today, tomorrow, yesterday, um, to kind of keep track of stuff. So it's, it's a little bit more on top of that, um, but we've kept it pretty simple, which is which is kind of a critical part for, for what we're trying to do. Seems like it would help you lead a more balanced life if you're including some of those other aspects. Absolutely. I mean, I think... I think that's a good point where a lot of what we've seen is, you know, you're, you're, you're so focused on what you need to get done for work and you don't realize that, Hey, uh, something really good for yourself could be going on a walk, going on, going to the gym, eating healthier today, uh, maybe watching your favorite show tonight. Like those are all things in your life that you want to remember and you want to incorporate into your day. Um, but you know, today's to do list app slash calendars, Flash productivity apps just don't really think about the whole picture. Um, so it's really important that we kind of help you plan not just the things you need to do, but also the things you really want to do. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I, I see a lot of the reviews on the app are overwhelmingly positive, which is pretty, <laughs> pretty unique. What, what's an example of like when you hear a customer review or somebody give you feedback, how do you know that they're getting the app and they're, they're doing what you intended them to do? Yeah, I mean, I'd say what what we see is the opposite. So if someone writes in and says, I had a hard time doing X, Y, Z, or, you know, I don't get how to do this, to us, that's, that's a failed opportunity, right? We, we Someone came onto our platform with an expectation to do X, Y, Z, and that expectation wasn't met. So a lot of the times what we see is if someone, which is to your point, why we start getting a lot of this good feedback, is we've set that expectation right. We've said, hey, you know, if you want the best productivity, GDT, get things done to do list app, this is not for you. This is for your day-to-day, uh, you know, for the, for the everyone's to-do list. And that expectation has really allowed the feedback to come in saying, oh my God, this really is my second brain. This really has helped me relieve my stress. This really has done X, Y, Z. Whereas before, uh, you know, a lot of people said, you know, is this really helping me get more done in my day, right? Is this really helping me do more with my time? And typically the answer is no, right? A lot of these apps are stressful or they're over too much um, in that kind of respect. So uh, we, we usually take negative feedback as an expectation that we, we set poorly yeah. um, with that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh- I, in apps or th- things like that in the past, I've I found myself just kind of stressing about what I try to load it up with, and and I think yeah, this has got that attractive feature of of trying to put the balance in it. Yeah. Prior to we do, um, you had a pretty good career um, at Procore, correct? Yeah, yeah, I was their youngest employee. Um, which was always exciting. <laughs> yeah, and you had a, a pretty good position there as well, right? What What was that position? Yeah, so I was in charge of all their mobile and desktop user experience. So, you know, my I'm not sure about my official title, but there was they hired on like five user experience guys, um, and they had this massive web app. I mean, it's just this huge, huge thing. Um, and they didn't have anyone for this mobile and desktop, and they were really trying to push into their iPad and their iPhone and um, their Mac apps and their uh, uh, Windows app. And so 
you know, my background before that was really heavily on Mac apps and kind of getting into mobile. Um, so I was in charge of kind of making sure all that uh, was was compliant with the latest and greatest um, experiences. So you were doing well, and it was probably um, a good career and a safe career. What what was it that made you start to think about venturing out on your own? Yeah, you know, I ask myself that the same <laughs> all the time. <laughs> um, you know, I think what was what was interesting to me was, you know, I was 19 years old at the time and I got this incredible job and, you know, I was asking myself, do I think I could get this job again? You know, do I think this is a one in a lifetime opportunity? And at the end of the day, I came to the answer of no, I don't. And I could probably find a job similar to this or, you know, better um, if I just get better at my skills or, or do better in my life in some way, shape or form. And so to me, that was kind of the impetus of it was saying, do I think this is a once in a lifetime opportunity? Um, and what I realized was we do this kind of back of my head itch of, of what I wanted to start. Um, that felt like once in a lifetime opportunity. And so much of building a product in a company is all about timing. So you can't say, you know, I'm going to sit on this for another 10 years and I'll come back to it when my career is a little bit more developed. Um, you know, to me, it was saying, okay, you know, stress in America is right now at a tipping point. It's an epidemic. Students specifically are suffering from this the most. I just lived through it myself. Um, you know, this is the time this product is, needs to exist. Um, and so I can't sit on my hands and wait for me to have a little bit more experience or, or, or whatever may come in the future. So when you left, was we do already in motion, or did you have to quit before you could start work on it? Um, you know, I had kind of this idea of something similar to we do at the time, and we had one. Um, we were the first software company to win this pitch com uh, co contest in Santa Barbara, um, and so there was kind of this inkling of a little bit of validation. I was talking to a few investors at the time, but I had really not started anything. Um, it was just more of an idea and kind of accumulating, other, talking to other people like, hey, would you help me with this? Would you work on this with me? Would anyone fund this idea? Um, that was kind of right before you know, I left. And then once I left, I was like, okay. And you know, that's when we incorporated and you know, we kind of raised some money and we started like working on, working on the, you know, the IP. Yeah, and boy, you raised a lot of money out of the gate, right? Was it a million dollars? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I got was... very, very fortunate. Yeah, so everybody would wonder, what was your secret for, for getting that? You know, I think, I think everyone wants to be part of the future. So if you can kind of invoke that FOMO, and, you know, similar to what I told you, right, you know, there was this, tipping point in America. And I think a lot of our investors have kids and they saw it themselves um, and they wanted to use a product like this and they, they saw the value in it. Um, and we've made some pivots over the time. You know, I, I, it, would, it wouldn't be accurate to say we started out targeting students, but we started out targeting this problem and we knew this was a problem. And we said, you know, hey, we see this massive problem out there. We think we can figure out the solution for it but it might take us some time. So, you know, we raised the money without, 
you know, for how much money we raised, typically a team would hire, you know, 10 people or something like that. And they kind of burned through the cash within a year and a half. Um, and we held on to that cash for a little over two years. Um, and the point of that was to say, like, you know, we haven't cracked the nut yet. Huh. So earlier this year, we felt like we really started cracking that nut. But I think to answer your question directly, you know, I think the thing that brought us the the good fortune of being able to raise, a, you know, a sizable around, amount of money and not only that, but have incredible investors in L.A. and Santa Barbara um, you know, I think there was a lot of passion behind it on my my end. You know, this isn't something I didn't go out there and say, I want to start a business. I went out there and said, there's this massive problem and I want to solve it. Huh. Um, and I think that was really compelling to, you know, a lot of the investors. Yeah. So that's amazing. I didn't realize and I, I didn't plan on this question, but you, you raised all this capital and you sat on it for, you said, two years, right? Yeah. <laughs> how, how do you, uh, so did you just survive on your own savings or how do you do that? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say we sat on it in the respect that we didn't spend any of it. We just kept our team incredibly small. Um, so, you know, our burn compared to another startup that would raise a similar was probably anywhere from a fourth um, to maybe even a fifth of that. Uh, so we, we just kept our burn rate, uh, you know, of that raise just, incredibly small. And, and so it lasted us a good while. Um, you know, we didn't sit on it in the respect of not spending anything and just kind of, you know, living on our own stuff. But, right. um, you know, I think, I think that was the thing that, that we did really well was, you know, we understood that this was, this wasn't a problem that, you know, you could just say like, Oh, we, we already know the solution. We already know how we're going to solve it. Let's just build it. And, you know, people will come. Um, so, you know, there's really that, that strategical part of just making sure we did it right the, the first time. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's unique. I, I think this is really interesting. So from the time you raised the initial round of investment to the time you had the app developed and available to the consumer, how, how, how long was that? Um, I'd say we started beta testing just after a year, and that was like family and friends, like less than 100, 200 people, I would say we didn't really even launch a product until earlier this year, kind of January, um, and that was kind of on the iOS app store. And then our Android app wasn't even launched until a few months ago, and that's still kind of in its, in its infancy with a, with a lot of stuff. Um, so, you know, it's, it took us about two years to really get something out there. Uh, we're coming up to our, our third year anniversary, like next February. So, um, you know, it, it, it definitely, it definitely was an interesting move for us. And, you know, at the time we had a lot of our investors telling us like, you know, you should be spending a lot more money. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. You should be flying the team out. You should be going here. You should be spending money on that. Um, and they really kind of thought we were, really uneducated on, on how to spend our money and, and what to do with that money. Huh. Um, and so it was interesting because once now that we are where we're at, they were like, well, it's so smart of you that you didn't spend your money or you didn't blow it or something like that. Um, and so it's always, <laughs> it's always <laughs> tough with investors because they, you know, whatever you're doing is either the smartest thing you could ever think of, or you should be listening to them. Uh, you know, you're, you're never uh, in between. You're never in the right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I had heard on Shark Tank once that they said, if you can be 
pro- I guess it was to be profitable in three years. That, that was mm-hmm. usually a good sign. Yeah. But um, and you took you took a good two years just to did the market <clears throat> for for task management change in those two years? Like were you changing with the market, or was it just you were solving the problems and doing it? You know, taking the time to do it right. I would say a little bit of the of both. So one of the interesting things is, you know, Wonderlist. We we admire Wonderlist a lot, and they were kind of the big players. Um, and so, you know, what they did right was they did penetrate the the mass market. So they did get the moms and the kids and just people with like a beginner's to do list app. They got that generation. And so we got a lot of inspiration from them and we were, you know, a little bit fearful about kind of the ecosystem and the brand that they brought to the space. Uh, what we got really lucky with is Microsoft bought them for $200 million um, and they shut it down. <laughs> they shut it down. Um, and yeah. And so, or it's in the process of getting shut down. They had an announcement earlier this year Um and so they, they did that in favor of this other Microsoft to-do app that's integrated more heavily into their, you know, Outlook platform. Um, and the ratings and reviews for that one, you know, I'll, I'll leave that up to a Google search. Um, <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> um, but what I will say is that was a really good timing for us because they were our competition because we were solving a lot of the same demographical problems. You know, we were targeting a lot of the same types of people who said, you know, I don't want something complicated. I don't want something busy. I want something simple. Oh, that is um, So that was, that was big for us. <laughs> yeah, that was fortunate. Um, I've seen yeah. Microsoft do that before where they've, I mean, were, were they essentially buying up their users? Is that, and, and then take t- making them go to this other app or? Yeah. You know, I think, you know, for the new app in its current state, you have to have a Microsoft account just to sign up or log in. Oh. Um, so when we talk about college kids, uh, that is definitely a different market. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think, you know, I, I, I don't know the specific numbers, so don't quote me on this part, but I'm pretty sure Microsoft Office is a 10 plus billion dollar revenue for them every year. So you know, for them, shutting down Wonderless in favor of something that would help support their office ecosystem um, is probably a no-brainer for them. It's probably like pennies on the dollar. Um, and so, you know, for them, I think what they might have seen was Wonderless kept this brand, and it was probably hard to put Wonderless inside of this Microsoft Office suite. And so you can see that, and the reason why I'd say that is you can see that with the naming of this new app called Microsoft To Do. You know, it's it's very it's very simple. It, it, it blends well into this Microsoft Office ecosystem, huh. and so you know, I'm not sure if it was the users or the team or just the um, hoping that this would blend better into the Microsoft Office, and then realizing maybe they should just do it again or over again. Um, but you know, either way, you know, we're we're happy campers over here. So what we did was we kind of released the product and what we realized is that we started to get a bunch of feedback from students. Um, We started to do interviews with students. We had a a call with a student where, you know, she was at school and she was in high school, which is a little bit under our demographic right now. But, you know, we were just trying to get some interviews and we talked to her and she said, you know, I came home the other day 
And I just started crying because it was just such a stress reliever to put everything inside of We Do um, and to have a place to just kind of brain dump, per se. Um, and that was kind of the highlighting point to us that this is a real massive problem for this generation, and we are actually solving it for them. And so from there, it's just been a lot of kind of validating and working with students on what features do they want, kind of what's going on in their life, uh, you know, how can we add value um, to them in a, in a great experience. And so this year, what we've seen is that we're starting to really focus on kind of the, the marketing efforts. So we have some traction channels that are working really well. And, you know, how do those look like at scale? You know, or how does um, those look like when it regards to revenue or with um, regards to retention? And, you know, it's kind of the scaling part of the business that I'm really excited about. And, you know, right now our growth has been 100% organic um, other than some marketing tests. So it's been it's been kind of exciting. We're, we're, we're excited to see what, what happens. So a couple of things in there that really struck me. One is um, I have a daughter in college right now who's going through exactly that. And we've had her call here a few times in moments of crisis because yeah. she's studying medicine. <laughs> so um, wow. the thing that you, that I hadn't thought of was I, I keep I keep thinking this is geared for business people, but is it more geared for college students and students? Yeah, I mean, the way we look at the product is, you know, obviously everyone suffers from this problem, right? Like time management, planning, keeping track of things, this is an everyone problem. Um, but the people who have, like, the most acute pain from it uh, are students. And, you know, they have not just the normal everyday things that you and I have in our life, but they also have a bunch of classes, and they also have work on top of this stuff, and they're also navigating just growing up, right? They they lost this helping hand from high school over to real life. So while, while our, our age range is probably student age, we really like to say transitional periods in people's lives. Um, so it, you know, that could be junior high to high school, that could be high school to college, that could be college to the real world. Um, so it's really up to, up to you of, of who and when, when you'd want to use this product. Our long-term version is to be a product that you know, a business professional professional could just hop into it and see a lot of value in it today. Um, but I would say our core value prop today is, is managing uh, a lot of types of things, not just the things you need to get done, which typically resonates more with, with kind of the, the younger demographic right now. Oh, yeah. And and stress. It just seems to me that the, yeah. the, the pressure is on more than ever. Um, okay, I'll yeah. give my daughter a call and get her on We Do right away. <laughs> <laughs> um, were there any um, moments of crisis when you were uh, building your company in these first few years? Yeah. Uh, you know, I would say the the moments of crisis have have typically been more with, uh, you know, the business end of, of it, you know, raising money, um, you know, trying to navigate that. You know, I was 19 years old when we raised a million dollars. You know, I, I didn't have a lot of experience under my belt with, you know, how do you communicate with investors? What does a good investor update look like when we're raising more money? How long does that take? Um, you know, all of our investors really like what we're doing and they're, they're you know, really like me per se, but... Uh, you know, it's navigating, keeping them in the loop. It's navigating 
um, working with them. And there has been moments where they've reached out and said, like, hey, what's going on? You know, I haven't heard from you in a while and stuff like that. And so it was learning those lessons kind of along the way. Uh, I wouldn't say, you know, the stop everything crisis, but, you know, those things can really start adding up when you start raising money again. You're like, okay, you know, I need to start talking to our investors. And then you start getting really close to the wire. And, uh, you know, those those have been stressful, yeah. <laughs> very stressful situations. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Having never raised money like that, I never considered building a business, the added pressure of having a million dollars of seed money must put on you at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, so what would you say life is like now that you've, um, cause you had a, you had a pretty interesting career, you know, you were nine, you know, you were the, the youngest guy, I think you said in your, um, company, right. That you were at before. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, how would you compare? contrast your life now is it is it more pressure is it more freedom what do you feel uh, I mean I, I both of those resonate with me I think while I have more freedom I also have a lot more pressure uh, on, on what I need to get done um, you know I think 90% of my job, I, I really love, you know, I get to work with customers hands on, I get a, you know, I'm, I'm have ADHD, right? So I love kind of hopping around different things, which is a great ability to have as a CEO, because you can't often, you, you can't just hyper focus, right? You need to kind of be uh, wearing a lot of hats. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of the best part about my job is I'm able to kind of wear a lot of hats and you know, be doing BD on one side and kind of be doing marketing another day and product development and design on another day. Um, and I really enjoy that. The parts I don't enjoy, you know, are the, the raising money or, you know, kind of doing the, the things that don't add value to the end consumer or add value to the business directly. Um, and I think those have been, those are always like stressful situations and always things. I don't think anyone enjoys it, right? And if you enjoy raising money, you're probably, you know, a masochist. Um, it's it's not, <laughs> not no, no, even investors, you know, when, when I talk to them, they're like, you know, we just want to close out this round for you so you can get back to doing the important stuff. Um, I think everyone's on the same page that this is just a bad experience. And I don't think there's a solution for it. I think part of it being a bad experience is what weeds out the week, right? Sure. Um, so I think, you know, it's, you know, you can't enjoy everything in life, but that's kind of what I've been spending a lot of my time on now is, you know, we're closing out this round and then, uh, you know, trying to get back into the swing of things. Sure. But it is what you've decided to keep doing because I remember you said before that you you could probably go back if you if you needed to and find the same kind of career, yeah. if not better. So obviously you love it. Yeah. What kinds of um, things does uh, have you been able to do that um, you weren't, you know, you weren't able to do in a normal day job? Um, you know, I, I'd say... My schedule is something that I have a lot of respect for, right? Obviously, being a time management company in a lot of ways, I think, you know, being a scheduler is, is, is important. But, you know, I'm someone who has a lot of respect for my sleep. You know, I think it's, uh, you know, people who sleep for four hours and five hours or something like that and set an alarm and, you know, get their coffee in the morning. Like, 
that's not something that necessarily resonates with me. I think sleep is really important. It's really important to your health. And there's a lot of studies coming out now that says, you know, do not mess with your sleep. Um, and so that being said, you know, I'm someone who probably goes to sleep at midnight, wakes up at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. I get a full, probably not 9 o'clock, but 8 o'clock, and I get a full night's sleep. I don't set alarms. Uh, and I'm able to get into the office and start my day when I want to. Um, and I just have a lot more energy, right? And I'm, I'm able to kind of live the life. If I want to go to the gym at 2 o'clock, I can go to the gym. If I want to, uh, you know, eat later in the day or have, you know, a meal at whatever, it's, I'm, I'm really able to fit my life to where I'm most productive um, without the stress of saying, okay, everyone shows in the office at 9 o'clock. I'm like, that's a hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's the freedom that, uh, you know, you're able to kind of get working at it. And same thing with our employees. Like, we have employees that start here at 7 or 6 a.m. because that's their, you know, rhythm. And, you know, we have people who start here at, like, 11 o'clock, but they work really late. Uh, you know, we never really have, like, hard set times of, you know, you need to work um, X amount of hours. I always think that's kind of a, a bad goal for people. But I think what's a good goal is to simply say, you know, are you trying your hardest? Are you working the most? You, you feel like you're being productive? Um, and if the answer is yes, great. And if the answer is no, how, how can I help you? How can we get to where, uh, you know, your schedule fits, uh, fits the ability for you to be as most productive as you can? Yeah, that's really the trend. I remember when Best Buy here in town um, just said, you don't have to work 40 hours. You don't, you know, you just have to get your work done. You have to set up your schedule that works. So that actually answers the next question I had, which unless you had <laughs> anything more to answer, uh, give, I was going to just say, what would you share with others who were in your shoes and they were in, in yeah. a day job and they weren't sure if they should, you know, pull the trigger and take that kind of a risk? What would, what would you share? Yeah. You know, I think, you know, I iterate this a lot, which is, you know, I think if you're if you're starting a company or you want to start a company or, or be in the entrepreneurial role, whether you're working for someone else who started a company at a very early stage or you want to do it yourself, um, you know, your 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 ambition and your goal towards making that decision should never be, uh, you know, a hyper personal one. It should never be, well, you know, I want to have a lot of money or I want to have, uh, you know, my own sleep schedule or something like that, uh, you know, you, you really should kind of come from the perspective of I, I will regret not making this decision in 20 or 30 years if I don't at least try to see if, if, if I can get this thing to happen, um, whether that's a, a new business or whether that's taking a, you know, a, a great job at a risky company, you know, whatever that decision is there's a lot of ways to be entrepreneurs without just saying you know i'm the ceo um and and making that decision and making that call taking your ego out of it um is is probably the best advice i could probably pass down that's really good advice yeah so you can check out we do or if you have kids they can check out we do as well it's wedo.com and you can if you if I can ever be helpful, you can find me on Twitter. Or my handle is S-P-S-H-U-L-E-M, as in Mike. Um, and we do handle Get We Do. Next time on The Dreamer's Moment. 
for me, I knew for sure. I didn't know what it was going to be, but I knew years ago that I was going to be an entrepreneur. I just had to figure out what company I was going to go after. And now I have lots of ideas for other things that I could do someday. The Dreamer's Moment is part of the Life Podcast Network, a group of family-friendly podcasts bringing a positive message of hope and inspiration. Find us at lifepodcast.net.